Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to episode 19 of the Believe Knicks podcast. Matthew Miranda, as always, joined by Stacy Pat. Stacy, it's a potentially interesting time in the next season if you are of a certain mentality. So the Knicks have a stretch of fairly winnable games coming up at home. They have two games left against Washington, who is 11th right ahead of them. They have two games left with Charlotte, who's 10th. They have a game left with Atlanta, who is 9th. Um, do you believe, Stacey Patton, that these Knicks can finish as strong as last year's team did and make a run, whether you want it or not, to the play in turn? Do I think the Knicks team is as strong as last year's? No, I think it's actually a better team than last year's. Um, do you? Yeah. Um, I think um, we have this. You can argue, like, the biggest difference between this year and last year is that Julius Randle isn't shooting 41% from three. Let's, that is the. So, like, <laughs> that's what's funny because I, I've criticized Tibbs a lot. But there is no overcoming that. A guy who became a, you know, a middle class LeBron, or a, yeah. you know, <laughs> he became that for a year, mm-hmm. and then he went to um, not that, right? Um, but I think the talent, otherwise, I I think that as much as I've criticized Alec Burks at point guard. I think he's a better point guard than Alfred. I think he's been better at that spot than Alfred Payton. I think Deuce McBride is on the roster and would be better than Alfred Payton, especially since Alfred Payton's main con- contribution was defense. I think Deuce is a much better defender than Alfred already. Um, I think RJ has gotten a lot better than last year. Um, I think Mitch right now is at least as good as he was last year. I think the the roster has improved. Um, and a lot of people were saying that, you know, even if the roster improves because the East is so good, the Knicks might not be as good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and COVID played a part in that. Like, Boston was healthy, probably a better team than us last year, right? But they were very rarely healthy all year last year, both due to COVID and injuries. So, like, that's just one team, but um, that's disregarding the fact that Chicago improved, Cleveland improved, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question of do I think they can make a run last like last year? It, here's the thing, and, and Matt, we've talked about this on the Pod Strickland podcast. Um, I think with Tibbs, there's been a lot of questions, right? Is he does he is he just you? He has you know the stereotype might be he's this old school uncreative coach. You know, I think that a lot of the people who support him are like, well, if we had a real point guard and. Oftentimes when they say like a real point guard, a full-blown court, full floor general, I'm like, well, there aren't that many floor generals around, right? If you're talking about a guy who can score at three levels, distribute and see every pass and defend, there is one player named with that, right? His name is Chris Paul and he plays for the Phoenix Suns and he's 37 years old, right? Everyone else has some weakness in those. Like that doesn't really exist the same way it used to. There's no Andre Millers anymore. And I'm not sure an Andre Miller would be great if we are trying to get RJ and Randall so many reps in this game. Um, 
but um but with tips like i think that when when we've really been low on like with seven or eight bodies that can play mm-hmm. i've seen him be creative i've seen him run creative offensive sets i've seen him go small with rj at the four i've seen him go small with rj and cam at the four and then randall at the five right yeah. i've seen him do things that you're like he would never do that mm-hmm. and he and he will be creative and he'll make it work and that's what's really frustrating about him. He's like, it's not that he can't do that. It's just he's so stubborn about it. So if there was a path to the Knicks going to the playoffs, I think it would be him leaning into that more. But you've seen that once he gets people back, he'll play Taj at the four. He'll reduce Deuce's minutes. He refuses to stop playing Alec Burst at point guard, which I think is... Of all the people that are hurt by Alec Burks playing at point guard, Alec Burks is probably number one. Because he's great off ball. He's a great shooter. When he can attack from the wings and get to the foul line, he's really good at that. Or we can run a pick and roll where there's another guard on the floor. He's good at getting the line. But when he is the guy, that's just not his game. you know. And, and it's even exacerbated when they pressure the ball full court and it takes him 10 seconds to get the ball of court. And like all of these things are not meant to be a criticism of Alec Burks as a basketball player. But Alec Burks is a point guard. And um, I don't know. I don't think Tibbs will move off of that. But I think that those are the things that... Because I do think they're playing better of late. Um, Even in the Nets game, they played well. Um, I do question Tibbs' defensive strategy because on the one hand, Kevin Durant is... um, I just said this in a text earlier today. Um, but I think in terms of pure scoring ability, and maybe I'll get some heat for this, there are two other people I would put with um, with Kevin Durant in the history of everyone I've seen, um, and that's Michael Jordan Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kevin Durant is one of the three best scorers I've ever seen play the game, and he's seven foot to, to boot. So, But on the other hand, they didn't have a good strategy against them and i think he like it's one thing to say he's a great scorer it's another thing to say he scored 53 and they didn't really have anyone else that could beat you and you're supposed to be a defensive coach so but they are playing better um and um i think i would have more confidence in them being able to like yeah like let Move bursts off ball, let quickly induce take all the point guard reps. Um, mix and match more Fournier with stronger defenders at the one. And that would happen, by the way, if you played him with quick because quickly is a better defender at the one than Burks. I think Burks is better on bigger defenders, but quickly is better at point of attack. Deuce is better at basically everything on defense. Mm-hmm. Um and like let that if 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 I could if I knew he was and that's that's without even talking about the bigs right like even Obi had eight points in eight minutes and he played eight minutes right mm-hmm. um you know it's just um those are the things where I'm like I just don't know if this team can get back there and that does bo- bother me it's like you can say well if Tibbs had real players would he be better but once we get those guys. Is he going to be creative with them? Maybe he'll be even less creative, right? Um, because he only ever shows that when we're down to the last man. So anyway, I just talked a lot, but um, but those are kind of my thoughts on on that. Well, I'm going to hit you with another question then. Um, 
Well, more of what do you think of this idea? Um, nobody knew what Randall would be this year. I was hoping... I feel like Randall has fallen multiple levels. Like you said, he went from, you know, poor man's LeBron to like a poor man's Sabonis. And that's a big drop. Like, it's still a, a nice player, but that's a enormous drop in terms of performance. Um, I feel like not only did the Knicks season basically end when they lost Rose, in retrospect, I didn't know at the time that it would turn out this way, but looking back, I feel like they just couldn't overcome um, all that that all of that kind of mucked up in their uh, roster and rotations. Do you think that the I, I think the Knicks would have had an easier time dealing with Randall being out than Rose? Hmm. Because I think that um, I mean, is that a vote? what's that? Is that a vote of confidence for Obi? Or it's a vote of confidence to how I think Obi could have looked playing alongside. Barrett and playing alongside more um, a center who can can like protect the rim with him out there, and I think it speaks to. I, I think Obi would have been the biggest beneficiary, and I think that would have benefited the Knicks. And I think Rose. I think because of Rose's. Um, I think a lot of times this is overblown, but I really think, as far as a leader of men on the floor, Rose is someone I'd rather have out there than Randall, just because Rose to me seems so calm and Randall does not, um, that I, I hadn't really thought of it until now, but, um, and that makes me wonder like for the future, you know, um, is that a sign that man, they better be really careful with Rose and, or is it a sign that like, I keep coming back to feeling that like RJ should replace Randall, not positionally, but in terms of the offensive role that Randall plays. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I think there's an argument for positionally too, by the way. Yeah. Cause RJ's so um, strong. RJ's good at the four. <laughs> like he has been. And like, part of it is also, it's not just him playing the four, but when he played with cam, cam is a terrible rebounder for his size. Like cam should be able to play the four, but that's the big drawback. But when he plays with RJ, it matters less right? because RJ is a really good rebounder. Yeah. When they both play with Quickly, Quickly is weirdly a really good rebounder for being a skinny six yes. three guy. He has long arms, but he's also just a smart player. Mm-hmm. So that <clears throat> that allows you, and then Reddish can give you the other stuff they don't give you, <clears throat> which is weak side rim protection. He's a long, solid athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's locked in, he has good. No, it's not even about locked in. It's just like. But the things he notices when he sees what's happening, because I, I like when you say he's not locked in, you that that's implicitly a, a criticism on his effort. Right. But I think Reddish is, has been locked in on the Knicks. He just misses stuff. You know, he doesn't see things. You'll see lots of times where he's trying to help and his guy will just slide over to the corner and he doesn't see it. Um, I don't think that's a lack of focus. Uh, sometimes you miss things. Uh, he just happens to miss them, you know, more than someone like Miles or Michael Bridges, right? Um, he's he's not that. There's a similarity. Sorry, it, he reminds me on that level when when Latrell Sprewell came to the Knicks, he was very hyped as a great individual defender, and he was. Um, but he struggled for a while, and he was a guy who played, you know, significant minutes and played consistently just to find his 
fit in a new context of a team defense. And I feel like Reddish coming over into a different kind of defense and never really having any consistent time in it, I don't know how much you, you could even expect to see of him in terms of as, as a team defender. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't great at that in Atlanta either. He wasn't great at that next to R.G. Barrett in college. Um, they were really bailed out a lot by the fact that Zion could just eat up any attempt within 15 feet of the basket because of Zion versus college players. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, but that's, that's a fair point, right? How much of that is just, and you, you never, you know, you never want to criticize a player's knowledge. I think Cam has shown a great deal of feel on the offensive end. He's good at relocating. Um, he, he wasn't getting the ball much when he started, and he started two more before he got hurt. And I think he he was very good at moving without the ball. And he started to develop that chemistry quickly. Um, quickly, I mentioned in particular, because he played most of his minutes with them. But And that's also been a talking point for Nick's Twitter that quickly just hates Cam or something. right? I think part of that was just them developing together. And it's a credit to Cam Reddish that he... He found ways to get the ball or to make himself open for quickly, you know, whatever quickly's limitations may be or whatever quickly's tendencies may be. Um, but the point I'm making about RJ is that, like, you can play him at the four with with a, a, a various and like they've played him at the four with Randall. And I think yeah. I think it's telling that I think Tibbs has been more willing to go to that. Like Tibbs, it seems like has been more willing to go with Randall at the four next to or sorry, Randall at the five next to RJ, then Randall at the five next to Obi. Yep. I think that's interesting to me. And it kind of makes sense, at least on defense and offense, because RJ is a better shooter than Obi. Like, Obi is just... If Obi could shoot, all of this would so... There are so many problems to be solved. And I think he has a nice form, but you know, just shots have... He went two for three from three against Brooklyn. I think he, he will shoot at some point in his NBA career at a high level or at a good level. Um, it just isn't happening right now. Um, but I mean, it's really the, that lack of creativity that's, yeah. And, and I mean, if you look at 538, you know, that that's without considering the fact that they are, um, you know, one of the, they're projected to not make the playoffs. Um, right now, according to 538, and, you know, you can add in standard analytics or bullshit um, <laughs> caveat, but they're at 0.8%, which is partly, this is the first time I've seen this in a while, but they're at 0.8% projected to finish 36 and 46. The Pelicans are projected to finish 35 and 47. This is playoffs. And I don't, I think it's not, it's not only playing, it's like actually making the playoffs. So take oh. that. But, it's 0.8% to actually make the playoffs, but the Pelicans are fi- projected to finish a game behind the Knicks, but have a 25% chance <laughs> at the playoffs, right? Wow. So it, it shows that the East really is that much better right now. Yeah. Um, but e- even the, the Lakers are projected to finish with a worse record than us. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's a tough season. Like, on one hand, I really am frustrated with Tibbs not giving minutes to Deuce and other guys uh, and Sims like 
it's not so much that I think Sims is some world beater, but it's he's clearly better. I'm not saying he's even better than Nerlens Noel, but he's better than the version of Nerlens Noel we saw this year, who was clearly hurt. Certainly. And that didn't help anyone, least of all Nerlens Noel. Yeah. Um. So you know, and 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 Sims is it's not ex- like I've compared to Grimes, where I, I've said this a lot. Like Grimes was strictly out of the rotation. Then we had seven guys available and he got to play and he scored 28 points, right? And I'm like, at that point, I'm like, oh, are they really? And then and then I'm like, you know, was he really not ready, A? But also, B, if you look at the way Grimes and McBride and Sims play, and you're talking about earning it in practice, like, look at the way those guys... Do I? Do you really think Grimes is taking plays off in practice? Right? I don't know McBride. <laughs> do you think that he's not... Lo- like, he's locking up high-level NBA players. Do you really think he's struggling to guard Kemba Walker in practice? I don't. Um, but Sims, I can at least understand a little bit because early in the season, Sims looked lost on defense. And that's a credit to, you know, to Tibbs, of course, and to Kenny Payne and the staff for developing him. So that might be a mitigating factor. But it does feel like, you know, Tibbs could have played these guys more. Not, It's not even a... It doesn't have to be a binary thing, but... At times when the vets might have been struggling, where they needed energy, where maybe they were playing too many minutes, like Alec Burks playing 36 minutes because he also has to play point guard, maybe that could have been mitigated with Deuce. You know, it's those kinds of things that... Um, and if, if Tibbs is still unwilling to do that, if Deuce is still just a, you know, manage the load for 12 minutes kind of guy, I, I that would be the only, like, real, you know, concavity that would make me believe we can make the plan. Yeah, you talked about the East being better. Um, until the mellow ball got hurt last year, Charlotte was ahead of the Knicks much of the season also. There's there's so many teams in the East that are better or more legitimate than they've been in a while. It's really tough. It's, it's, it's weird to have a season where the Lakers are collapsing this spectacularly, and I can only take like a little bit of joy in it because they actually still do have a better record than the Knicks somehow. It kills do, you, do you ever feel like the Lakers are kind of like the Knicks? That is the most bizarre sounding question I think I have ever heard said out loud. Because it's certainly seems, not a, on a franchise level. Yeah, right? it seems to be like no, but um, certainly there's similarities. In, in what sense do you mean? Well, so I will preface this by saying my best friend is a huge Lakers fan, <laughs> um, and. Uh, but and we've watched a lot of like oh he has league pass and I don't so we'll watch a lot of basketball together yeah. and we've watched but it's a team that lacks a true point guard right um, or so their true point guard is Russell Westbrook who has been I, if you don't want to say a shell of himself he has been ineffective for the Lakers that's fair to say right mm-hmm. um, and then they've had guys like Rondo and um, you know, it, it just hasn't worked. They're probably their best option is Malik Monk, a combo guard who can shoot and is a better. He's not a great defender, but I think he's more consistent than Westbrook on that end. Um, but they have had and like Vogel. Frank Vogel has been criticized a lot. And if you were to take a more sympathetic view to, to Tibbs, you would probably apply like this is my view towards Vogel. And we talked with um, with Cranjus McBasketball, um, Tim NBA, great follow anyone who's listening. Um, you know, he he runs B-Ball Index. Um, and he was talking about there's really no good options, right? 
they can go with more offensive and spacing oriented lineups with like Monk at the point. Um, or like in Austin Reeves with him and then play like a stretch four. Um, or they can play LeBron at the four, you know, or or they can go with a defender at the one, but then they lose that spacing. Um, and I think those are some similarities with the Knicks. Um, so, but the, the biggest thing is no true point guard. The main creator is your power forward or like a big wing type. Not to say that... LeBron is anywhere as near as good as Julius Randle, right? <laughs> Julius Randle's way better. Uh, um, but it's it's that vein, right? Uh, a defense that relies heavily on rim protection, but those rim protectors haven't been up to snuff in the same way they were when the Lakers were, uh, you know, a championship team. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis has been hurt. Dwight Howard isn't the same player. Uh, not I'm not saying Dwight Howard is not the same player as he was when he was. MVP candidate Dwight Howard. I'm saying he wasn't. The, he's not the same Dwight Howard he was like a year ago, mm-hmm. um, which is a much bigger problem. Um, you know, underachieving, obviously, relative to the big expectations, big market, lots of focus. Uh, interesting, uh, an interesting group of young guards. Like Austin Reeves is a lot like Deuce. Actually, he's a great defender uh, who can shoot, but it hasn't shown out yet uh, on an NBA level. Um, but yeah, those are some of the similarities I see between those two teams. Mm-hmm. Is that where DJ Augustine signed? Was it with the Lakers? Uh, good question. Let me look it up. He just signed that I know that I've seen him play. Yeah, he plays for the Lakers. I don't think he gets much time, but yeah, he gets like five, nine. He got 20 minutes on March 11th, but okay. mostly getting, um, you know, deuce minutes, maybe. Yeah. That's crazy. I was gonna say he's old, but he's two years older than me. So, <laughs> DJ Augustine is one of those guys that, if you told me he was drafted in like 2004, I would believe you, and if you told me he was drafted in like 2012, I would believe you. <laughs> I have no for certain guys like that where I just have no notion of their age, and he's one of them. Um, I think Ariza fits that a little bit too, right? Yeah, he does, and um, he also plays for the Lakers. Lambo <laughs> and. Um, Darren Collison was always that guy for me. Darren Collison could have been between 26 and like 36 his whole career, as far as I could tell. Um, yeah, well, I mean, he's also a special case. It, yeah, it's it's also guys who come in playing like veterans, right? Mm-hmm. Darren Collison's also a weird case because he retired early. Like, he's still only 34, but he retired at 31 when he was like still a quality guard. Uh, he actually came back to play for the Lakers this year, and I think they cut him, but... Who was this? Uh, Darren Collison. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Tyreek Evans might be coming back with um, Golden State, which actually makes me happy. That'd be fun. Especially if they lose them at the four, like Draymond, right. that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I would love to see that sort of thing. Anyone showing Thibodeau like, that there's more that you can do with things makes me like excited and happy. But that, yeah, that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think he knows. He does. He's just so averse to changing. I think he's been hurt. But like... He's a little but, weirder than people think. Like he's a little weird, but he's not comfortable. He's been hurt, man. Like he 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 doesn't want to give into it, but you know it's there. But yeah, it's it's not someone who's like who's blind. He's not no. blind. No. He just you know puts his puts his hand out, right? Like it's like um Yeah, maybe he's been hurt. <laughs> Who knows, right? Um but um but that's the honestly the most sad cuz like I 
I, I personally like after what happened last year, I want to see him figure it out. I want to see Randall figure it out. I want to like win like that and getting them the guys that can make it work. But Thibodeau has to adjust too. That's like, I don't think to win a championship because he didn't have a ton of success in the playoffs in Chicago either. Yeah. Yeah. And when they used to match up with Miami, um, late in every game, LeBron would, would go to cover Derrick Rose. And Chicago had nothing like they never had, like, and they didn't lack talent. They def- they didn't oh, lack they talent, talented, but they didn't. There was no scheme after that. It was but but oh shit. But, but part of what made him so, like I think part like his profile as a coach got elevated more when Rose got hurt, and there was one year where Joe Kim Noah was an MVP candidate. Yep. Um, his stats weren't that. I think he's like. Tw- Twelve points and like six or seven assists, but yeah. he ran their offense through Dude. Joe Kim Noah. Mm-hmm. Like that's the guy. Like, and he he ran our offense through Julius. Like, it's not that he can't do these things. Mm-hmm. We almost have to hold a gun to his head, right, and be like, yeah. do something, mm-hmm. and then he'll do it. But how um, how sustainable is that? How reliable is that? And I mean, we've seen that with other coaches, right? Mike Woodson, who is that's what know, I was thinking about. his. Mike Woodson is very known for being a old school guy. He he tried like, why were we so mad that Chris Copeland? I maybe you weren't as mad. I was very mad in that series against Indiana. Well, which, experience. but ten years later, I can be like, maybe we still wouldn't have beat Roy Hibbert, right? I can I can acknowledge that. But I was mad as hell at the time because Chris Copeland was really effective. Was at the three at the five. Yep. Um. Just something and t- it was something different, and what you were doing wasn't working. And and he for a season for like the regular season he got that he got that we need to play Melo at the four. Yeah. He got that um, two point guards works a lot, right? A lot of guys won't play two guards. Even that was kind of revolutionary, right? He played Kid and Pablo together. Um, he, he he unlocked Jr. Smith as a really good like. J.R. Smith wasn't a point guard that year, but he was a creator. He was a guy you could run your offense through yeah, for large stretches, which he had he had been a sixth man, but he had never been that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think J.R. Smith being what he was that season is a huge testament to Woodson, and he just went away from that when the chips were down. And, you know, that's – it's sad because – but that might be what it is with Tibbs. Two more questions for you. I'm going to give you the number two and a half, over under two and a half. How many people who are starting for the Knicks this year, the regular five, do you think will be starters on opening night next year? All right. So starters for the Knicks right now are Burks. um, Burks, Fournier, Barrett, RJ. Mitch. Okay. Uh, Oh, that's a tough one. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's go. I'm gonna go away from the center position because I think that's the toughest one to answer. Um, Burks. I think there's a 25 percent chance Alec Burks is a starter at point guard next year. That's so. Depressing. I think that's so depressing. Too high. It's just depressing that that it's depressing that the number exists at all. Much less <laughs> than it's 25 percent. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a scenario. Yeah, maybe it should be lower. I think. There's a scenario in which Tibbs gets hired, or, sorry, where Tibbs is retained, mm-hmm. and there's a scenario where the Knicks get someone like Jalen Brunson or Colin Sexton or Malcolm Brogdon. Um, 
the overlap of those scenarios is high. So like what I'm really talking about is the disjoint of those two scenarios, right? Where Tim Tibbs is um Tibbs is retained and we don't get another point guard. I will put that at 25%. Maybe that's too high. Um small forward RJ Barrett uh 100%. Um shooting guard Evan Fournier, I'd put it at 65. It's just it's not the contract they can move. Um, and I, I don't think that's a contract you're desperate to move. Like he's fine in that. I think, I think if Evan Fournier didn't play so many minutes with Kemba Walker at the one or with Alec Burks, who's not a bad defender, but is a bad defender at the one, like Alec Burks shouldn't be checking John Morant. Right. Right. Uh, or that's a bad example because that was creativity from Tibbs. He has those games against the Grizzlies. He has put RJ on John Morant and the results have been better. But you you just make Evan Fournier the only bad defender in your lineup, and I think you'll be fine. And the Knicks have the personnel to do that. But I'll put it at six. I'll put it seventy percent that Evan Fournier is still starting. Randall, I put it at eighty-five. He's not getting traded because his value isn't great, and I think he's shown enough to say that um, you know you can construct a winning team with him as an ancillary piece. That was my biggest concern. My concern was not. I, I I've never was never in the boat that like Randall needs to prove he can be the guy because he never was going to be. Um, but this season, what worried me most is like, like can you have a good offense if Randall isn't getting the ball in the post every time, drawing double teams or running DH? Like if Randall isn't the complete focus, can he be effective? And I think he's shown that he can. He's played as part of a team concept and been better as a result of it. I put that at 85% and I'd put, and then the, the big one is Mitch. That's really the biggest. I'll put that at 50 50 because I really have no idea. Yeah. Um, I think that from looking at his production, from looking at what he's worth, likely to get on the market, I think something like four for 55 or four for 50 or somewhere between 12 to 14 million a year. Um, should work for the Knicks and for him. But, you know, given what we've seen of late, maybe it has reached a place where they just don't want to, where it's irreconcilable differences and both sides want to move on. I have no insight into that. Um, I think that if, I think that he's not going to get too much more than, like, I don't think anyone's going to give him $20 million a year. I think the most he'll get is maybe 15 from like Detroit or someone. And I think in a vacuum, the Knicks would easily match that. Um, so that would make me want to go high. But the fact that he hasn't developed any offensive game, and we know he's, you know, he showed up to camp out of shape. Um, and we know that, you know, we've heard reports of his maturity being called into question or whatever. And, you know, his uncle tweeted about how he doesn't get the ball enough, which just a side note, if you're shooting 50% from the free throw line, you've never de- developed a post move um you know we've only ever sh- like like your instagram videos aren't enough to demand that sorry buddy right so i i wouldn't necessarily kill the knicks over that but all of those complications make me put that at 50 50 that he's back i think he's literally in his career taking one shot outside the paint i think it's yeah like a couple years ago he took one um i think in our last episode was the one where we talked about which teams we would most and least like to see win the lottery if the Knicks didn't. 
I want to just close by asking you, um, just looking at the top six in each conference, since we don't think the Knicks are going to make it, who are you cool with winning the East, winning the West, and who are you just, please God, not them? Like, in the top, I'd say the top six, because I don't think really seven through ten, unless you think Brooklyn and the Lakers have something in them that I don't think they do. Um, I would just stick to top six. So in terms of going to the finals, right? Not the yes. not the lottery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, just going down the list by conference. I grew up in the 1990s, and that's when I became a Knicks fan. So hell fucking no, I do not want to see the Miami Heat, who are that's currently true. at the top of the East. Even though, that's the thing, it's tough because... I really like Alex, Eric Spolstra as a coach. Um, first and foremost, he's an Asian American. I'm an Asian American. That to me matters a little bit. Um, and I think I like Eric Spolstra a lot. It's tough to not like Jimmy Butler. This is not a hateable uh, Miami team at all. But it's still the Miami Heat. It is. <laughs> it's Miami, still the Miami, Miami Heat. Miami still being there is the one thing that still like holds it together for me. Yeah. So that's still a no. And I don't like Tyler Hero. So that's I'm going to latch onto that. I don't like Tyler Hero. don't like people saying he's better than RJ or Pelt quickly. Thank you. So, Most correct answers, actually, by you. Um, Giannis is awesome. So I have no problem with the Bucks making it. The Sixers are the toughest one for me. Because I think I've mentioned this. I love Tyrese Maxey. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Embiid. Uh, he flops a lot. But he's... Like he's got a great story. He's a fun personality, and, and he's he's an awesome. I don't want to get into the Embiid Jokic debate. Um, I personally am like a little bit tilted towards the Jokic side of that, but either of them winning MVP would be very much fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, but the Sixers are still like they're still, um, you know, there's a, still a lot of animosity there, right? Um. And they have a James Harden, who I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. But I think if James Harden won, it would make the next look bad. So I don't have a problem with the Sixers getting out. Um, I don't want the Bulls to get out. Um, there's a team called the Boston's. What do you think, if you knew I was a Knicks fan, what do you think my feelings on the Boston Celtics would be? Did you hate them? Oh, okay. Well, I guess we don't need to talk. Fuck the Boston Celtics, in case that wasn't clear. <laughs> Uh no no to the Boston Celtics Cleveland would be awesome. Would be. Um I hate Ohio. I'm a Michigan fan. I hate the entire state of Ohio. But Evan Mobley I think could be a generational player. I have answered multiple polls where people are like, if you could get one player for the future of your franchise between Luca and Giannis and all these guys, I think there's a legitimate case for Evan Mobley. I think he's awesome. Oh. I like Darius Garland a lot. And I try not to be too loud about it because anytime you mention Darius Garland, you're like, well, should the Knicks have taken him over RJ? And I'm like, I, I wish I could just say that I'm happy the Knicks have, I'm really happy the Knicks have RJ Barrett. Yeah. He's an awesome face of our franchise. And I also think Darius Garland is awesome and would have been awesome here too. But like, I'm not, there's no buyer's remorse there. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, we can appreciate them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, as I hope, I mean, I, I would be curious to talk to Houston Rockets fans from like the 80s because. I would ask them, like, did you ever have buyer's remorse for Michael Jordan? They're like, before the rings, maybe. Maybe before the rings would have been a better question. Mm-hmm. Like, the year before they won. Because it's like, yeah, you didn't get Michael Jordan. Does that mean Hakeem Olajuwon was a bad pick? 
No, right? Um, you didn't pick Sam Bowie. Um, and then you have the Raptors who, um, it's weird because they're always positioned as a counter. Like they always have screwed the Knicks in trades. They're always positioned as like the small market. And like their fans also are like the small market. See, look how evil the Knicks are. We're the good guys. But I've never felt that animosity towards them. I I have I've been to Toronto. I have a cousin who lives in Toronto. Toronto's a great. City. I like. I love that uh, that city. I like the team. I like their fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Nav Bhatia, the, the super, Nick super fan. Have you heard of Nav Bhatia, by the way? Might be a short interlude, but so. Yeah. Uh, he's like the Toronto Raptors super fan. But anyway, he was a oh yes. Yeah, he was a sick Punjabi guy yeah, who yeah, immigrated yeah. to Toronto. He was actually an engineer by trade, but because of, you know, at the time the credentials weren't accepted, um, he couldn't get a job as an engineer. So he found he, he started working at a car dealership and he worked his way up to managing the car dealership, buying a bunch of his own. And then now, and then what he's dedicated his life to is essentially like being a Raptors fan and with the money he's earned, like just bringing as many South Asian people to Raptors games as possible, um, nice. which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm not against the Raptors getting there, even though on Twitter it, they can be a little unbearable. The eighth seed is the Nets. Uh, yeah, so this is the one team I would be like, no. Hell no. I just got into... I, I, have Nets, I have friends that are Nets fans that are not on Twitter, and they have given me better perspective. On you know we feel like the Nets are obsessed with the Knicks, um, but they have talked about you know the Nets were shortchanged at times. You know sometimes that underdog mentality comes from that, and with them I usually can just talk basketball. I don't have to talk all of those zero sum things. That said, no fuck the Nets uh, and fuck Kyrie Irving. If you want to play, get vaccinated. Um, I think that the rhetoric around that is atrocious. I think the fact that he has comp- or people are comparing him to Muhammad Ali makes me want to vomit <laughs> profusely until I just die. Um, so no, fuck the Nets and fuck Kyrie Irving especially. Uh, and I hope they, I, I hope they don't make the playoffs. I hope they lose in the playoff if they do. The Hawks, I lean no because. But <laughs> let me ask you this on the Hawks. What are your thoughts on Trey Young? Because, like, his dad has been on Twitter and he engages with Knicks fans, often politely. Um, Trey Young embraced the villain role, but we kind of, we gave him the villain role and it kind of became, it's not even, like, it wasn't even like a Reggie Miller thing. It was kind of like, you know, everyone is kind of, it's almost like we're two parts in a, in a movie scene, right? And we realize we're playing our parts. Um, I, I, like... I root against Trey Young a lot, but I don't hate him. No, I don't hate him at all. I would love that guy in the Knicks. Oh, that's that's a different just, question. Not just that. I enjoy watching him. I've loved his game since college. Um, I enjoy watching him play. I think he's one of the more... Um, what's the word? He, you can't really look away from him. If he has the ball in his hand, yeah, and he's coming up near half court, like you, you want to focus on him. Because he doesn't mind. I think he's wonderful. Um, I like to watch him play. I personally did not understand or find the chance all that charming. Be- more, mostly because 
I just don't think it was earned. It felt to me like a like a simulacrum of what people who had never lived through a Nick postseason like thought they were supposed to inherit. Um, but like with the other people in the past who earned that kind of en- enmity, it was earned. Like Michael Jordan. So like Reggie, you know? Reggie earned it, and Reggie didn't have it until he earned it. Michael Jordan earned it. Miami earned it. Trey Young literally had never been in the playoffs, and neither had the Knicks. And it wasn't like he had a great game one and then in game two, okay, the, the crowd comes out against him and you're like, all right, you know, New Yorkers are a, a different breed. To me, the whole thing, it, it I, I had no way to, to, I don't literally believe this, but it felt like the kind of thing that like people decide before the game they're going to do. And it, it just kind of spreads like wildfire. But I thought, I thought, I always thought it was stupid. Um, I enjoyed him. I, I enjoyed the, the, you know, the dynamic that just to me felt like a, a real desperate attempt to put a label on something that hadn't earned it yet. So you could point to it and be like, Oh, I remember when we cursed out Trey young. I mean, I love him. Yeah. I love watching him play. Yeah. And it's fair to say that like, not only had those guys earned it, but the Knicks had earned the right to have that frustration mm-hmm. by being repeat mm-hmm. players in the playoffs. Not just, this is our first time in, 10 years um having said that franchise that there's no there's no history with either yeah you know um having said that i thought like him you know he played into it like how much are the theatrics worth right and how much how much are the theatrics cheapened when a player is conscious of it and he knows that trey young knows that if i do this it's gonna go viral and it's gonna help my brand Mm -hmm. That's to be debated, maybe. Um, but I, you know, I thought that, that that part of it maybe endeared him a little bit more to me. Endear is a strong word. <laughs> yes. um, but he's like the enemy you love to hate as opposed to, you know, the enemy you just hate. Um, so um, I, you know, Atlanta making it would be tedious. But not disastrous. Charlotte, I actually love a lot. I, there's no way they'd get out. And we're getting to the part of the list where, you know, the Knicks are now coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hornets are the 10th seed. I love the mellow ball. I really, really wish we got them. Um, that's, actually, that's actually how I started working, or sorry, writing for the Strickland. Yeah. Because uh, I used, I've commented on post and toast, posting and toasting for a long time. Who were you on posting and toasting? Tan Man Five. Oh, I liked your shit. Okay. Well, you have to say that now. If you hated it, then you know that would just be mean if you said you didn't like it. Compliment retracted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate the thanks, Matt. <laughs> um, but I remember um, I was commenting a lot on there. Pres Presidente did great couple of pieces on the Mellow Ball. Uh, I mean, like I'm not kidding. Like, Whenever we fully transition to draft mode, we're still in a little bit of Schrodinger's tank right now. But um, but I'm not, that that would be a good Twitter handle, I think, Schrodinger's tank. Mm-hmm. But um, it might be a little bit too niche for uh, for widespread use. But um, I was I was arguing with this one dude a lot about he was like Lamelo sucks. Tyrese Halliburton is going to be an all star. And we were just both going at each other. And it's like fun to look at it in retrospect. And like, I was right about everything I said about Lamelo. I think yeah. <laughs> I was wrong about some of the things I said about Halliburton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think because of the argument, I probably 
became more harsh on Halliburton. Anyway, um, I like the Hornets a lot. Um, I like all their players um, besides maybe Maga Hayward, and he was, he's a fun player to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think to to answer your question, the teams that the the teams that are at the bottom of it that I just don't want to see make it are the Heat, the Bulls, the Celtics, the Nets, and the Nets have their own category of like at all costs they must lose. Um, the Heat, Bulls, and Celtics we've seen. In my lifetime, I've seen all three win. I've seen one of them win six times. I've seen another one win several times. And I've seen the Celtics win, but with their best player shitting his pants in a game. So, you know, I think that I've been through that. I can't handle this version of this Nets team with everything behind it and all of the people that have been on their bandwagon, especially national media writers like be vindicated with them winning. So it's, it's the nets. It's the nets. Let's be real. Fuck the nets. I don't want them to, I want them to lose in the play in game or not make it at all. That would be sweet. Um, what about you? I feel the same in the East. I just like Brooklyn's in a different category where I, I like, they're that team that I need, as long as they don't win, I'm okay with however the postseason unfolds. I would say after that, I'm probably rooting most hard against Chicago because I'm bitter about all the people yeah. who correctly pointed out the Bulls had a better offseason than the Knicks did. Um, I don't, but do you hate the Bulls players? No. I don't hate anyone like, around the league because there's no one – no one has yeah, lost the Knicks anything. Like, I don't hate anyone. There's Brooklyn. Is the Kyrie? One. Brooklyn I – don't, I don't hate Kyrie. I think he's been an idiot about certain things, but more often than not, I have defended Kyrie. I just think about the vaccine as being a jackass. But I think he's been extremely right about other things and has taken up causes that if he were LeBron and it did this. Are you talking about more about like when he wanted, um, was it Ferguson, I think, where he wanted the Nick, the, the NBA to not play? Or There's that. Um, I think there's some of his political activism in terms of who he's represented Um or endorsed and what they stand for. Um, I'm actually unfamiliar with that. I'm sorry. And if you have to go, that's fine. But uh, I'm actually unfamiliar with that. I can't remember her name. There's a woman running, I believe in the Bronx. Um, She's a very progressive leftist um, candidate, I think running for like city council. And um, it was, it became a story because when Kyrie, was um i think when he had initially first like couldn't come to the arena or or sometimes was and sometimes wasn't and he he missed time i think it was a bad stretch where he ended up like at like his sister's birthday party at a club with no mask and then when the nets had a game instead of being at the arena he was on a zoom of like all these politicians and public figures who were endorsing i can't think of her name now it's a it's a new york city leftist progressive politician um and it's an exciting thing given how few players you know take that kind of a stance certainly publicly and how many of them in particular are taking stands for i think those kinds of candidates um i think Kyrie's right on about a lot of things i think he's way the fuck off about this um like like disturbingly so but I don't hate like I don't hate I don't hate these Celtics like who would I love Mark? They're another team that's kind of fun, right? Fun. Like if they were not the Celtics, I'd probably be rooting for them because 
their identity. They have you know, super talented wings. I love Marcus Smart. Robert Williams is great. Like, you know, they, they've turned it around with defense. There's a lot of things to like about them. And like you said, even the Heat. Like, I don't want the Heat to win, but um, I like Jimmy Butler a lot. I like Adebayo. Um, I like DJ Tucker. I love Spolstra. So, in the East, if Brooklyn doesn't win, I'm happy. In the West, as long as Dallas and the Lakers don't win, I'm good. I just need Dallas, you still have MA tours. They traded KP. It's not so much. See, the KP thing to me, it it brought a lot of that energy together. But my resentment of Dallas, which is not entirely their fault, mostly is my resentment of Mark Cuban acting and being treated constantly like he's on the cutting edge of some formula for success when his team hasn't done shit in 10 years. That was compounded by, oh, the Knicks got fleeced by Dallas. Like, that was compounded. But but even it, even tangentially with the Knicks, the, the whole, when the Knicks drafted um, Frank Nilekina and Dennis Smith fell to the Mavericks, and, you know, yeah. I understand you, you put out the angles that you want, and there's public relations and that shit. And LeBron got behind it, LeBron too. LeBron got behind yeah. it, too. And then, so, you know, oh, they were celebrating because the guy they wanted really fell to them. And then, that doesn't work out. Nothing they do works out. They still – and he was literally on uh, the Ringer pod, I think, had him on a couple – like the last week. And the the like description of the episode is like, again, talking about Mark Cuban like he's some fucking, you know, uh, some basketball revolutionary who like he really is not and has never been. He, he bought a team, I'm pretty sure – that had Nowitzki when he bought them. I think he was new, but I think he bought them then. You know, they made a good move for Luca. I can't stand Dallas. I hate them. I okay. I hate. I can't stand. I sports hate Cuban, um, and I think he's probably a dick in real life. And I need the Lakers to also not win because that LeBron tweet in the preseason about like, you know, just please like responding to to, to criticism of the team's age and being like. Let me just ask you one thing, like, you know, please bring this energy in the dirt. Like, he, he's always setting himself up as, like, I'm going to show everybody. And you know what? This is the team that he wanted. I don't hate LeBron at all. I I love LeBron. I tend to root against him because I don't think he should have to win rings to justify his place in history. I think that's a stupid, simple argument. But he has been insufferable to me since he got to the Lakers. and. I would just be so unhappy if LeBron and Westbrook, like. Did you always hate the Lakers? The only time I have, I'm trying to think when I have ever rooted for the Lakers. The only time I have rooted for the Lakers, I think, in my life, was when they played the Nets in the finals. In O. <laughs> so you've always hated the Nets. Yeah, well, I hated those Nets. I didn't know. I liked the Nets until. Kenyon Martin and Richard Jefferson, I felt, got out of line, acting like they were the shit when Kid would lead them to like destructions of the Knicks. That's when I started to dislike the Nets. Yeah, I Richard Jefferson them. has maintained that. Kenyon Martin came here, so yeah. now he's not a dickhead. But Tazen Petrovic is one of my favorite players ever. I used to any time the Knicks weren't on in the nineties, I would watch the Nets games. I go back to like Tate George and Chris Morris, and when Wookie Blaylock was like very very young. Um, I love. I, I really liked the Nets, but um, I think their fans have become insufferable. And I think 
the Lakers, um, it's mostly, I just can't stand them. Maybe it's jealousy as a Knicks fan. Um, Cause they're this major city that everything seems to go the opposite of how it does for the Knicks. But yeah, I don't, I guess I've never rooted for the Lakers other than that one time. Yeah. The Lakers for me were kind of, I remember the first time I rooted heavily against them. I really liked Allen Iverson. So when he went to the finals against them and they yep. won game one, yep. I was like, I want them to win. Yeah. And then the Kobe Shaq thing happened. And I grew up in a time period where I, I've always been kind of a little bit of like, um, not a rebel, I guess, but I try to like be a little bit of a contrarian. Yeah. So when I grew up, the two players that were iconic, you could add a third in Trace McGrady, were Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant, the early 2000s. And, um, and yeah, I was like a little bit like everyone is just hyping up Kobe. And, you know, I used to kind of root against them a little bit. Um, obviously, I, I will admit Kobe is one of the top 10 players of all time. But um, but I see that. And, and I think that with that team, when they're good, they can, you know, that can be a little insufferable. Although I will say this. I think where I've kind of bonded with the Lakers fans a little bit recently, at least, is I think they're the only other fan base, right or wrong, warranted or unwarranted, who can understand the microscope that the Knicks are put under. Um, where every single thing you do is has a 15-minute Stephen A. Smith rant attached to it um, and a million tweets, um, and everyone is talking about it, right? The Knicks signed Evan Fournier, like the Knicks signed Evan Fournier for eighteen million dollars a year. If the Celtics did that, right, or if somebody else did, like the Celtics traded for him last year and it didn't do shit, right. they still sucked. That didn't get talked about, right? Right, right? The Celtics traded Kemba Walker, that didn't work out. That never got talked about. But us giving Kemba Walker eight million dollars a year yeah. is a national story every day. Um. I think that the Lakers are the only fan base that can relate to that. So that's why I've been, I guess, a little bit more sympathetic towards them. Um, with the Mavs, I think my enmity is gone towards them and KP, honestly. I think we've won the KP trade. Even if Julius Randle sucks from here on out, we won the KP trade. Yeah. So I'm over that. I honestly hope he has a good career now going forward. Um, I don't hate on him. Um, you know, I, I, I liked him as a player. I think he probably had some maturity issues that... A lot of players had at a time when the Knicks were a mess. I don't think the Knicks are a mess anymore. And so, you know, I'm kind of over that. Um, out of the West, man, I don't I don't really dislike any of the teams, though. Um, who do you like, then? Like, who would you like to see out of the West as a fan? Yeah, Golden State. <laughs> right? Uh, Golden State has my favorite player of all time. Um, Andre Godala. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Steph, Steph, my former favorite player of all time was Steve Nash. Me too. Um, which is why, I, because of that, I've always had kind of an affinity for the Suns. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind them seeing them get out. They, you know, they kind of deserve it. They lost last year. They've been so dominant. But it would be like Steph winning it this year. And I'm a Michigan fan, and I love what Jordan Poole is doing. Um I, when I, he was on the team, he didn't get the shot as much because the Knicks had kind of a ball. Or sorry, the Knicks. <laughs> Michigan had a ball-dominant point guard who couldn't shoot, so Jordan Poole wasn't really allowed to play on ball as much. And on the Warriors, he's really been able to expand his wings and show what he's capable of. It's probably the Warriors for me, but I guess the Warriors, 
the like the Grizzlies fans like like it's also like a lot of these like a lot of small market fan bases and the smaller the market the more this happens hate us for no reason like I feel like Grizzlies fans just hate the Knicks even though like I I like John Moran I like yeah yeah I, I like Desmond Bain so as a team I like the Grizzlies but if they're gonna be unsufferable I don't I bet I, I like that's not enough for me it's not it's not like the Nets or something. I, there's no team I wouldn't want to see make it out of the the West, really. Um, I guess the only two would be the Jazz and Pelicans because both of those teams have young stars that you know, <laughs> if they were to lose, <laughs> it would be to our benefit. Yes. So, from a Machiavellian point of view, I should probably be rooting against, especially the Jazz, right? If they have a first round exit, like Donovan Mitchell isn't going to demand a trade from a team that's like on the cusp and has Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they lose in the first round, you know, why wouldn't he come play for Ray Grupp? Mm-hmm. On that beautiful note of optimism, we'll say goodbye for episode 19. Um, Knicks are playing tomorrow night, Wednesday night. They host Portland. And then Friday... An exciting 11 versus 12 matchup when they host the Washington Wizards. Um, I'm sure we'll talk to you sometime around that game. They also play Utah on Sunday. So, um, Stacey Patton, Matthew Miranda, um, everybody take care, and we will talk more next soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.